to the Madcast. This is where creative believers are encouraged to be great artists. My name is Matt Anderson. I am your mediocre host. Thank you so much for joining us. We'd invite you to please subscribe or follow this podcast. And then the old traditional five-star rating and review, always deeply appreciated, uh, raises our visibility. So thank you very much for that. Well, we're in the midst of a series. We started last time, um, and we're calling it People Who Made Things. Uh, now, this uh, particular part of the uh, series isn't a specific person, but it's more what they were building that, that we're going to focus on. We're, uh, we're looking at those things that could be God-honoring or not in the Bible, people who made things. Um, but what I want to do is look at what these builders did or didn't do lessons that creatives can learn about our own process too as we seek to make things. So this week we turn our attention to the Tower of Babel. What's so wrong with the Tower of Babel, by the way? Have you ever wondered that? Ever been reading early in Genesis and you you get to that story and and uh or you, you hear it preached or taught, and and you wonder, okay, what's the big deal? I mean, is it like God can't handle the competition or something like that? Well, clearly it's something God did not endorse. Um, so that must mean we need to know something about it. Um, so I, I want to begin with the story itself from Genesis 11, if you're not familiar with it. Genesis 11.1, 1. now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. So again, if we're not careful when we read this story, we're going to think the Lord is just insecure and he's petty here. And uh, he just, he, he can't take the heat. You know, the, the creation is starting to rival the creator and, uh, you know, he's not going to handle it. Uh, he doesn't like us making process, uh, progress. So the man, you know, shuts him down. It, it's almost like the empire crushing the rebellion. Um, 
But what we need to do in this story, we got to take a few steps back in the Bible to understand what really is going on here, and it really helps set the scene. So let's get some background here. We're going to geek out a little bit here in the scripture. We don't do that a lot on this podcast, but this time we will. Now, again, last episode, we talked about Noah and his building of the ark. Now, after the flood, once again, the waters have receded. God has promised he'll never destroy the earth that way again. Um, something happens after the flood that connects to this story, believe it or not. There's, a, there's an incident that occurs. Uh, Noah becomes a farmer. He begins to plant a vineyard, trees, um, He's he's a gardener, uh, so he's growing grapes, among other things. One particular night, he partakes a bit too heavily from the fruit of the vine, shall we say, and he is drunk. Well, Noah had three sons. His youngest son was named Ham. Yep, like ham sandwich. Uh, Now, back in those days, normally the firstborn was the one to inherit the father's blessing and his possessions, all that. Well, Ham's the youngest, so he's thinking that's not coming my way. So he makes a power move on the night when his father was drunk. And there's a phrase used in Genesis that kind of has a murky meaning to it. Um, Here it is from Genesis 9. Uh, Verse 22, and Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth, those are the other two sons, took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine, and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be to his brothers. So here's the phrase. The phrase here is that he saw the nakedness of his father. Now, again, there are there's a lot of conjecture on, on if that's literally what happened uh, or if it means something else. Well, it could have a double meaning. Uh in, in uh, Hebrew settings, this could be like an idiom, uh, saw his father's nakedness, referring to Noah's wife. Now, whether that's Ham's actual mother or a stepmother, because maybe his mother passed by then, we don't know. We don't know. But here's what's going on. Ham was taking advantage of Noah's state, and he sneaks in to his tent in order to have a sexual liaison with Noah's wife and thus assert himself as the head of the family. So he's making a power move here. Well, Noah sobers up. He realizes what happened and he curses him. But he says this, he says, cursed be Canaan. Canaan? We're not talking, who's Canaan? We're, We're talking about Ham here. Well, Canaan was Ham's son, and uh, was, I'm sure, already alive. Noah was pronouncing a curse, but not so much on Ham. He decided to hit him where it hurt on his offspring. It'd be one thing for Ham to say, oh, my, my bad, I guess I'll just have to deal with it the rest of my life. The curse was on his son and his offspring. Ouch. 
So whenever you're reading the Bible, and sometimes as a preacher, uh, we'll talk about, <laughs> it'll list all these groups and they all end with ites, the, the Canaanites, the Jebusites, the, you know what I mean? And they all get listed, the Amalekites. And we say all the ites, we always use that, that joke from the pulpit. This is their ancestor. All those groups have as their ancestor Ham. Ham and his offspring would be the people groups who would constantly oppose the Israelites throughout the Old Testament. Isn't that wild? Okay, so again, you're thinking, okay, thanks, Matt. Appreciate the lesson. I thought we were talking about the Tower of Babel here. All right, so full circle. Let's go one more chapter, chapter 10, Genesis 10. It's listing the genealogies of Noah's sons. Verse 6 says, The sons of Ham, Cush, Egypt, interesting right there, Put, P-U-T, Put, and Canaan. Verse 8, Cush fathered Nimrod. He was the first on earth to be a mighty man. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. Verse 10, the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. All right, so Nimrod is the founder of the city of Babel. He is described as a mighty man and a mighty hunter. He is Ham's grandson. By the way, interestingly enough, the the word, uh, the name Nimrod in Hebrew means we will rebel. And Nimrod appears to establish the first kingdom in the Bible. This is the first time we see the word kingdom associated with anyone. Part of his kingdom is Babel. And in its original Semitic language, Babel or Bab-il means gate of the gods. In other words, this was established to be the earthly gate of the heavenly God. It was, it was thought, or gods, if they were uh, polytheistic. It was, it was thought to be a portal or the meeting place of heaven and earth. In other words, this was going to be like Eden or a, a replacement for Eden, since Eden, of course, was no longer accessible thanks to the sin of Adam and Eve. So the people from Babel decide they're going to build a tower that would reach to the heavens and it would serve this purpose. It would be this entry point for God and man to come together. This was something that they had determined on their own. This wasn't the Lord's uh, instruction. So, So God had to do something about it. And it does, it really goes to show the potential that we have. And and you hear God saying, there's nothing that's going to stop these folks. Um, There will be nothing impossible for them, which we attribute to God, by the way. And it shows you the potential we have when it's really channeled in the right direction. Fortunately, this particular thing wasn't. This was a creation that, that was faulty for different reasons. By the way, this is also not the last that we hear about Babel. The name ends up meaning confusion, the Bible says, as God confuses their language and scatters them. But Babel would later be known as Babylon, which would end up being the most notorious city or empire in the entire Bible. Babylon spans 
literally from Genesis to Revelation, and will eventually come to represent all things that are against God. But that's how it started. Now, when we come back with all of that as a background, we'll take a look at some takeaways, I think, from God's actions here. And then for us as artists and creatives, uh, some things that we need to keep in mind for the things that we build and create. Enjoy the Matcast. We could always use your help. The one thing that keeps me from doing more episodes is time. Doing a podcast isn't usually a profitable venture, so I have to spend a lot of time doing side hustles in order to stay afloat. But you can help with that by going to my website, matministry.com, matministry.com, and click on the support button. There you can contribute financially uh, to what I do here and help me focus more and more on creative endeavors. Just go to mattministry.com support and give as you feel led. Your generosity is greatly appreciated. that information as a, a backdrop to the story. So really, the, even the very founding of this city uh, was, uh, was flawed and faulty for spiritual reasons. But let's see if, if we can then find some takeaways from the tower itself, from this story, uh, just for us as creative people, and what, what this means for the things that we build. Well, uh, let me just throw out four real quick. Number one, uh, technology can be friend or foe. Um, I, I mean, you know, just look at the headlines, right? And we've already talked about AI in a previous episode. And you're looking at something that could be used for incredible good or <laughs> the destruction of everything that we know. Um, as, we, uh, as we record, uh, the movie Oppenheimer is about to come out, and which talks about the formation of the nuclear bomb. And you can imagine what uh, what what him and his you know, he and his team had to deal with when they realized they had come up with a technology that could destroy mankind. But here in Babel, uh, really to this point, they made a technological advance. Uh, to this point, they had been stacking stones. That was the ancient method of building structures. Um, 
and they would try to form them together as closely as possible. But, you know, there are going to be gaps uh, within that sort of a system because geometrically you just can't make all that happen. But they learn how to form stackable bricks. They learn how to make bricks and then make like a mortar or a tar uh, that seals them together. So not only does this keep out the elements, um, but it allows structures to be built higher than previously with only stones. And again, it, it was an important moment in world history. <laughs> and when you go to large cities, you, you see the, the end result of that. Uh, but in this case, technology was a foe. And we see that uh, advances must be rooted in Christ. I think it's important that when we innovate, that we must recognize the one who is the God of all innovation, that he has all knowledge. And um, when we do innovate, he must be recognized as the one who, A, already knew it, and then permitted it um, among us to, to use for one reason or another. And then um, being able to steward that new technology um, for godly purposes. I think it's just very, and I know none of us, are very unlikely, you know, none of us are likely to come up with some sort of invention that changes the world here. But if, if we're able to innovate what we do on any kind of a basis, uh, and that would be, wow, what a wonderful blessing. It's important for us to realize on, on the front side of it that any innovation that we make in art or in creativity, again, must be rooted in the glorification of God, the recognition that it comes from him, that every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord, and that um, however we benefit, um, the Lord and the kingdom will also benefit. Okay, number two, motives mean everything. This is probably the biggest lesson from, uh, uh, from the story. And it says it right in the scripture, Verse four, then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. Watch this. And let us make a name for ourselves. This was the motivation. Let's make a name for ourselves. I think this is one of the hardest things in art and in creativity. And, and I would love to say we're all such you know, pure of heart people that, you know, we're just doing it for the good of humanity. Well, you know, we'd kind of like to be able to pay some bills with it too. We would love to be able to devote our lives to doing what, um, what we can do creatively. It, 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 very few people can do it, but we would love to be one of those people, whether it be part-time or full-time. And with what we make, being able to subsidize what we do that's really the dream of almost any artist. So this is where the motives can really crash in. Because ultimately, we feel like we need to make a name for ourselves. I mean, ask anybody in social media, right? Ask any influencer or anybody with um, six, seven figures of subscribers on, on YouTube, Um 
they're out to make a name for themselves. That's what, that's what, you know, we try to do that entrepreneurial thing. So there is that. I, I think we just have to always, always, always to place every project, to place every work day into the hands of the Father and just say, Lord, this is yours. This is yours. This is not mine. That's the number one rule of stewardship. Everything belongs to God. And that includes what we make. And so recognizing that, yes, Lord, my motive is I would love to do this with my life. Um, I, I think that's a good motive. We just need to clarify our motives daily. And, and if, if we're looking more for, for great wealth and great fame, rather than just, Lord, I want to be able to devote myself as an artist, it's going to throw us off. And we will start to cater and uh, we will not be honest as uh, creators. I think we will, uh, we will begin to serve the masses, whoever we believe them to be, and be thinking about what they would want instead of what the Lord would want from our art. We just have to constantly, because the enemy is right, right at us, trying to get us to make a name for ourselves rather than to make his name great through our art. And I get it. There are people who become famous. And, and if that should happen, I think we have to work that much harder to be able to say that every good thing is from him. God is the real artist in my life. He is the one who is giving me the ideas. He is the one giving me the, the ability to carry out those ideas. And always keeping him at the, uh, at the center of everything we do. I think it's the biggest, hardest thing to do in art. Because if it's not going well, what else does that say? And we can suddenly think that God is somehow against us. Um, and, and it could mess us up, you know, when we're going through the usual struggles of art and creativity. And we could think God is rendering a verdict on us and his love for us. When really, it could be number three. God will thwart us to protect us. There's a reason why so few people do as well as they do. I, I just don't think there are many people on earth who can handle um, great fame or great wealth. Um, and of course, who knows us better than the Lord? And the Lord sees what's going on in Babel. And uh, so really, it's a Trinity thing, by the way, because he, I don't know if you noticed it in the scripture. Uh, I think he said, let us, uh, let us confuse their language. So Father, Son, Holy Spirit here, um, kind of an interesting moment, Lord, let us go down and there confuse their language, he says. God was thwarting them to protect them. Because he recognizes you're, you're doing something really dangerous here. You don't know what you're doing. And rather than have some kind of explanation, or rather than smite them from the earth, by the way, notice he didn't do that. He just thwarts the plan. <laughs> and he's like, this is, they don't realize it, but this is to protect you. Because you're about to do something really dumb and stupid. And I think that's why the Lord probably keeps most of us from making a lot of money. 
because he knows what it will do to us. And, you know, the, the obvious potholes are there. But I think, too, even creatively, I think it's, um, I, you know, there's part of me that says I would love to know this problem. But I'm sure people who have made it financially struggle artistically because there is something about the drive. There is something about the, the journey of getting there, the, the struggle that brings out the best creatively in us. And when you get there, well, now what? And there are just very few people in this world who can, uh, who can handle that. And I think uh, if our plans especially are for our own deification, uh, God will be like, ooh, man, you're doing something really dumb. This is really dumb. And out of my love for you, uh, it's not going to happen. And I think being able to be content, like Paul in Philippians 4, in whatever situation we find ourselves. And if that means we're struggling, and if it means we're just trying to find time to be able to create, then that must be what the Lord thinks we can handle. And we have to realize He knows us better than we know ourselves. Uh, Fourth and last, we cannot have heaven now. Now, keep in mind that Babel, the city, was established basically as a replacement for the Garden of Eden. It was going to be where heaven and earth meet. In other words, yeah, Eden, whatever, that's old news. This is the it place. This is going to be the place where God and man interact. But see, there's a thing here, because... uh, There's a reason why Eden was no longer accessible. If you'll recall, Adam and Eve sinned. And before then, they had been eating from the tree of life, which was, you know, an eternal life plant, basically. But once they had eaten from the the incorrect tree, now they were in a state of sin. And if they ate from the tree of life now, they would be forever in that state. And so the Lord had to get them out again to protect them. That's kind of the thwarting thing. And so he gets them out of Eden so that they don't have to remain in their sinful death state for eternity. And I think there is something about us, and and it was with Babel. uh, There is this part of us that we all want heaven now. We all want paradise. This kind of relates again to the whole wealth and fame thing. I, I think, you know, it's, it's that horrible phrase, I'm living my best life. The problem is we think we know what that is, uh, but that's not our call. I guarantee you our best life isn't his idea of our best life. And we're so wanting to have Eden back We want heaven now. And so we try to arrange our lives in such a way so as to do that. And that can take on lots of different forms. Some parents try to hold on to their kids as long as possible, and they they hate the thought of them ever moving away anywhere. Um, Some are trying to have the perfect life with the perfect house and the perfect everything. 
but see, the, the heaven thing happens later. But there is this part of us that longs for that. And when we hear things uh, that remind us of Eden or heaven or paradise, it does call something to us. And we're like, oh, man, I want that so bad. But it's something we, we, we cannot have right now. There will be a day when we have that again, when God makes all things new. There will be a day when we are restored because of Jesus, we'll be restored and in his presence for the rest of eternity. And, and then it will be as we have always wished. So as artists, I think it, it, it's so important. <laughs> you might even say artists have the reverse problem. <laughs> no, please, it's not over. Life isn't ending. The world isn't collapsing today. We, we can be a little more doom and gloomy as artists sometimes. But uh, in our relationships, in the way that we deal with people, we can, we can try to arrange things, uh, including the Lord, in, or, in order to have this wonderful, perfect existence. And we just have to let that go. There are going to be bumps and bruises along the way. There's going to be uh, bills we weren't anticipating. <laughs> there, there's going to be unrest. There's going to be injustice. Don't know how to tell you that, but there will. And I, I'm not saying we don't care and we don't uh, try to speak on their behalf. I'm just, I'm just saying we're not going to end all that. Only the Lord can. And even in our art, we're, we're not going to necessarily be able to accomplish with our art what we would hope. We would love to transform society with what we create. Well, that's a heaven thing. And there may be individuals along the way who are affected. There may be many individuals, which is great. But it still won't change the sinful nature of where we are. So recognize that and be okay with that. Just do what you've been asked to do by the Lord Make sure everything is submitted to his grace and his hand, and then let him handle the results. And then we can sit back and say, okay, this is enough. Well, we appreciate you being a part of the MattCast. Please share this with a friend. We want to expand our MattCast family. If you have a question or a comment, you can email me at mattcastworld at gmail.com. Our theme music is by Sound of Fusion. This has been a production of Monumental Ministries. For more information or to hear our archives, go to mattministry.com. Hey, thanks for having me over. I had a wonderful time. Mm-hmm.